Hello everybody, this is the Value Guys with the Value Line Observer. I'm Vern Value. And I'm Val Hughes. Get it. And we're here this week to uh, talk about this week's Value Line stock picks. Uh, for those of you who have heard us before, you know that we're 25-year uh, Wall Street veterans, uh, currently employed uh, picking stocks, and every week we, uh, we get together for fun entertainment purposes and talk about that week's uh, purely entertainment value line uh, you know it's our way of uh, you know issuing the appropriate disclaimers and caveats about uh, any performance of any of the stocks that we talk about after we've talked about them um, we'd send you what? to I don't get that it's very complicated, okay. but go to our website at www.thevalueguys.com and you can read more about us. We've uh, we've taken on secret identities. Well, first we drink. First we drink, then we take on secret identities. Okay. And then well, we go through the Value Line Investment Survey, and then we talk about these uh, stocks, right? Right. What? Right. And then we... Then Saying we, it differently than we, we were saying. And we create a file that we then uh, have the ability to... Uh, adjust what our voices sound like with, and we uh, we post it to the web, and that's how you're listening to it now. It's so. just te the technology. It's very it's fascinating. Very it's fascinating. exciting. It's very exciting. Yeah. Um, here on the lead. So what are we doing? What are we work. doing this week? Well, this Sorry. week uh, we're looking at the Value Line Investment Survey issue from October, dated October 20, 2006. Uh, huge focus on REITs, uh, life insurance, thrift industry. So a lot of financials. We got a lot of metals. The largest group this week, drugs. Maybe you're going to talk about drugs. I'm not. I am because um, this other stuff looks like a lot of commodities. When we come back, well, I'm going to talk about commodities and because okay. uh, it's a very hot area and uh, it's something that we have some enthusiasm about. So I'm going to talk. We about, meaning uh, you? You mean? Or we often have you know, this. My my whole you, my right. whole team at Your work. Your team at work. <laughs> right. Oh no, you're not included in our. Group, Do they? Uh, okay. In our opinion, I wouldn't. Right. I, wouldn't I would be hope so presumptuous. on this show we would meet I wouldn't you and be I, so but I, I didn't know you had ah, this other group okay. that you were bringing to. Oh, sorry about to that. bear here. Uh, it's okay. sort of the uh, it's the industry. Well, I understand. I get it. Okay. I'm not in your group. Whatever. In any event. Okay. Um, so I'm gonna. I'll talk about some of those later. But uh, first, we're gonna turn it over to you to talk about. What are you gonna talk about, Val? A couple of things, Vern. That's very, uh, uh, very nice introduction. Thank you. Uh, this week, you know, there's uh, thrift industry. I think that's a commodity to me. Real estate investment trust, overdone. Stocks going up because uh, giant endowments and foundations have created an asset class that says read on it, so they all have to buy in regardless of price. Insurance industry, um, you know, there's some good buys in here. We have talked about some of these, not doing it this week. Mm -hmm. Precious metals, <clears throat> raw material prices going down. Probably some values in here, but um, we don't. That precious metals is notoriously. You've done some of these before. Well, it's, a, it's an investment category tied very close to the price of something gold right. usually yeah, of course that has no practical use or very few well of course of course okay so chemicals uh, okay so I came across one here in the chemical area 12 page 1232 I just want to say I don't know anything about this so this may really be uh, for entertainment purposes <clears throat> value line has it rated for uh, stock at 27 ticker AGU trades on the New York Stock Exchange Trades at 15 times earnings, 13% discount to the S&P 500. I'm going to look down here at cash flow per share, 06.275. So stock trading at 10 times that number. Next year, 345. So stock trading at a nice discount, capex of a buck and a quarter a share. So even next year, I've got free cash flow at 240. Stock at 27. That's very near at 10 times, which is you know a value guy's sweet spot. Yeah. Um, 
Returns on capital here have been, you know, improving versus uh, five years ago. The the nice recovery here in the economy has allowed them what to get are, up to. What do they do? Well, who I'm, is this? I'm just describing what attracts me. What what does it matter what they do? Well, They're throwing off a lot of cash. I'm going to I'm going to get to that. That's not okay. the most important thing. No, to I know me, it's not Vern. the most. I don't care thing, what they do. I'm all telling you, it's a ticker symbol. I didn't even hear the name of the yeah, company. Yeah, Agrium. Agrium. <laughs> Agrium, which of okay. course was never really the name. Let's see here. Uh, Agrium was formed in 1993. Here's what I think the information you were looking for. Mm -hmm. Okay, sorry, everyone. Uh, Agrium was formed in 1993 to include the fertilizer division of Cominco Limited and the fertilizer assets of Alberta Energy Company Limited. Okay, so, so what do they do? out of what is today Tech Cominco. Okay. Yeah, absolutely, of course. I'm not going to try to get one past you, Vern. Of course it comes out of that big company you just said. <laughs> anyway, uh, they are a leading producer and marketer of nitrogen fertilizer and potash, so kind of a commodity, although probably not a lot of people doing it. I guess that's it. why they have ag yeah. in the name of the company. <laughs> because of the agrium-related uh, mm -hmm. products. Right. Uh, three primary segments, retail, North America, and wholesale. And uh, I'm sorry, retail, North America, wholesale, South America, wholesale. Nitrogen-based fertilizers account for 74% of wholesale sales. So this okay. is going to be cyclical. <clears throat> right. the Americas. Okay, right. what do you like about Now, it? what I like about it is they've got a pretty consistent return on capital over time in the sense that it's above your sort of economic uh, fair return, low to mid-teens. And they trade at uh, about 10 times cash flow. I think that fertilizer and... Uh, the like is going to continue to be important. I noticed that we just became a nation of 300 million people. Uh, China seems to have a lot of people. The world is growing in population. We don't have a lot of extra available acreage. Uh, if no, I don't know. If, well, no, I it's don't true. Know. If your model is Western Europe, where they have a very you know, finite amount of space and yeah. lots and lots of people, yeah, uh, they heavily fertilize their. You're going to need fertilizer because the ground's been played out so badly over. So the the longer we farm in the United States, the more and more fertilizer you're going to need. Well, listen, a good friend of mine was a uh, horticulture major, and it's all about and, yield. Uh, it's all about yield. Thank you. That's just what I was going to say. Anyway, I don't know much else about it. Value Line's predicting a, uh, you know, calamity. They have it rated four. Well, I don't know. <laughs> the stock's been doing a little better here. It's trading at a discount and nice cash flow yield. That's what I like about it. Balance sheet, pretty good. 34% at the capital. Uh, they pay a little dividend, but not anything to you know account for owning the stock. They don't have a tremendous amount of cash. All the money's in the business. But the you know debt to cap is 34%. That's pretty good. Next couple comparisons, not so good. Uh, value line's looking for a 36 versus 54 for September. 38 versus 40 in December, and then some nice positive comparisons next year. Uh, so that's not terrific, but, you know, the valuation looks pretty good. I think if the world economy stays good, this thing can lift. Investors uh, and chemical companies will look through a couple quarters of yeah, negative comps. I think so. Yeah. I think so. So uh, that's uh, Agrium, AGU. Uh, next one I came to was, uh, I am looking in the drug industry, BioVail. It's one we've talked about before. Yeah. I the stock has cratered recently, and I think I've been recommending it, although it appears that uh, if you bought it any time before you know, last week, you've lost money. So I'm just going to reiterate that I like it. BioVail, uh, here's what ValueLine says about it. Uh, they develop drugs using controlled release formulations that offer more consistent delivery. So what they do is they take products, oftentimes that other firms have invented, and perhaps are going off patent, 
and then they add a proprietary delivery system on the front end of that, which is a way for them to extend uh, the patent life of that thing because now the delivery system is patented and, uh, uh, you know, others can't compete with the efficiency of all of that. Um, let's see here. What else do they do? Uh, they specialize in cardiovascular, central nervous system, and pain management drugs. And uh, they have a couple of particularly important uh, franchises, the most important of which is a product called Wellbutrin, which is 38% of sales last year. This is a product that uh, is causing the stock a lot of problems right now. There's a competitor named Ankin. I'm just reading Value Line. Uh, it says has received tentatively an approval to sell a generic version of BioVail's lead drug, Wellbutin XL. Um, and there was a recent uh, decision in the courts that this new company did not uh, violate BioVail's uh, patents. So obviously there's going to be some new product coming into the marketplace. Management here is uh, predicting that it won't be in 06, that it's going to be in uh, 07. Uh, but still, you know, that's going to hit earnings. And Value Line has earnings going from uh, 230 in 06 to 205 and 07. Yeah, but the stock is, I <coughs> yeah. mean, it's like 40 well, plus percent off of the it's high of each of the last three times years. 6.8 times earnings. You've got a stock that uh, revenues per share are 635. So we think everybody knows this now, Everybody right? knows it. And it's if you take line. away a third of the earnings, which, you know, it's not going to be directly a third. It's going to be more than that. But just theoretically, the stock could, would be at nine times earnings or ten times earnings without this. And importantly, BioVail has some uh, elements that are going to be important as the demographic wave of boomers. Obviously, the advantage of this whole sector drug industry is that you have this uh, consistent growth in uh, potential customers. Well, and especially now that the government's decided to step up with all of our money as a source of funding. Well, of course. I mean, we live in a democracy, people. but, you know, when you control the vote, even capitalist baby boomers, if the vote is for more drugs it's and more free health care, and you're in that, uh, in that uh, sweet spot, you're going you're gonna to go that way. That's how it seems. That's why we've you know, seen a lot of pressure on Pfizer and Merck, which I'm going to talk about in a minute. Anyway, BioVail, uh, they're earning great returns on capital. Last four years, upper teens, 20% uh, this year, 16% next year, even after this horrible disaster, presumably, of losing this franchise. So the streets overreacted to this, in my opinion. Uh, the balance sheet's in great shape, 23% debt to capital, 10 times interest covered. Uh, the next couple comparisons are flattish. Uh, and then 07, of course, value line is predicting slightly down, but at seven times earnings, you know, how wrong do you have to be for this thing not to just be a patient way to make a lot of money? So BioVail, BVF, and uh, this little puppy is on page uh, 1247 in this week's value line investment survey. I'm going to go buy some of that myself. Well, it looks interesting. I don't own that one, by the way, so I just want to release it. Now I come across Merck, MRK. Uh, Merck is on page uh, 1265. Uh, we've talked about Merck here, you know, great drug company over time, running into some problems with some patent expirations and some uh, lawsuits on some of their key products like Vioxx and etc. Uh, those lawsuits seem to be going the right way and of course uh, their key asset in my opinion is a large R&D lab and a lot of salespeople. So while they may not be inventing stuff every year and their growth rate may be slow, they have a constant option on getting the best uh, and most expensive drugs to doctors. They can buy firms, et cetera. So they always have that call option, and that's why we've liked it. But I'm looking at it right now, and uh, it's moved up a lot recently. 
So I'm going to kind of take Merck off the table here. We have been talking about Merck and Pfizer as both buys, and I think Merck now, um, you know, has, has is up a lot, and uh, I think still has some Vioxx risk ahead of them. 3.6% uh, yield, but I want to direct you instead to Pfizer, ticker PFE. Uh, Pfizer's on page uh, 1277 here. 14 times earnings, 23% discount to the S&P, 3.7% yield. Uh, the company generates a ton of cash. They've got 280 cash flow per share this year. That'd be gross cash flow. CapEx per share is 30 cents. When you think of the CapEx of a drug company, it's really R&D, uh, which ends up getting expensed, not put into a physical asset, which is depreciated. So they're penalized on that. You also have to think about R&D as you know, somewhat uh, discretionary the way uh, CapEx is for some firms. So a lot of times, if you add earnings and R&D expense together, it gives you a, a better measure compared to industrial firms that are making the same choices about investing, but one's expensed, one's capitalized. If you do that, this stock is you know about eight times earnings, and yet, uh, just like I was mentioning on BioVail, they have a call into the channel uh, that's going to be growing their drug it's use. It's called <clears throat> blockbuster drugs, people, right? What? No. No. I don't I, know. What are you talking about? Well, I'm just. I mean, I understand you're talking about. The I, they haven't actually. The blockbusters are being coming harder and harder to. Well, I understand that. To create with the so, distribution that you're talking about that they have embedded in each one of these because of the resources they bring to bear is a small uh, amount of value attributable to. I mean, there will be future blockbusters, and they're going to get a piece of it. If that's, that's your point. Right. Yeah, they actually have. They have. They have they uh, the biggest sales force in the business. Uh, promising new drugs come to light. They're going to get involved in buying the company, buying the patents, what have you. Uh, some of these big companies, Pfizer has been successful in defending some of the patent uh, you know, challenges to them by some of the you know, quite good drug companies out of India, for example. Uh, they have uh, uh, an important... Uh, um, you know, I didn't know that. India, yeah, you say. India. Some of the uh, big competitors to uh, Pfizer in, in the patent expiration. Uh, Dr. Reddy, you may have heard about. It was in a big patent battle with Pfizer uh, last quarter, which, which I believe Pfizer won. Okay. The big news at Pfizer, too, is they've had a change of uh, CEO. Hank Kennel uh, re retired, uh, I'm sure, quite willingly. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And uh, <laughs> Jeff Kindler's in, who I don't know any of these people. But he's going to come out with a big strategic plan. And when you have a company like Pfizer, which has been earning 20% returns on capital for four or five years, 40% in the years before that, their operating margin is 40%. Their gross margins, which Value Line doesn't show here, are uh, you know in the 70% range. Look, I, I can tell I can tell everybody from you know experience, including today, uh, with the market up recently, people are desperate for what they call ideas. And a new CEO launching a major new strategic thrust at one of the biggest, most capable uh, big pharma companies uh, ever created on the planet is going to be a great well, idea. Exactly. I mean, when you talk about can Wall Street institutional salesmen get their arms around an exciting story that includes the biggest R&D budget in the industry, a new CEO, lots of value. The company's been buying stock back. I'm going to put this in the decent, buy pile also. They've got okay. a decent yield, 3.7%. Uh, these guys spend $8 billion a year on R&D. That's most, more than most nations. So, uh, uh, you know, they've, they've also got a lot of room 
as price pressure continues, which I do expect it to continue, uh, they've got a lot of room in SG&A. There's a lot of salesmen. With 70% gross margins and 40% uh, operating margins, there's a lot of room in there to cut costs in sales. And I want to point out there has been some talk of, you know, really cutting down on how much advertising you allow these firms to put at, you know, on television and such. And that's been a big driver to uh, demand as you try to inform baby boomers. There's some talk of banning that. I just want to point out, cigarette companies, when they banned cigarette advertising on television, it was the best thing in the world because it locked everyone's market share. No one could change positions because they couldn't advertise. And it took away the biggest expense on their income statement. It would all went to cash flow and share buybacks. So actually banning advertising to the consumer would be a great thing for the stock. I don't know if that's going to happen, but there's talk about it. Anyway, Pfizer, ticker PFE, like it a lot. Uh, I also just want to spend a minute here on a little stock called Watson Pharmaceutical, ticker WPI. Trades at 19 times earnings, which isn't that cheap. Uh, a 6% premium to the S&P 500 multiple. Oh, it looks Dr. Watson's drug company, right? That's right, Sherlock. It is. Okay, thank you. That worked better than last time. Thank you. Uh, so 340 of share cash flow, stock at 26. Uh, CapEx, 50 cents, so I've got free cash flow of 290, stock at 26. I mean, I don't have to know much else other than they're a generic drug company. So not only do they have the wave of demographic growth population being higher than average, but also the continuing push toward more and more generic uh, product in the, you know, in the medicine cabinet. So it's which just straight operating leverage. Operating leverage. Now, they do have some cycles. I'm sorry, I just put a caramel in my mouth. It's probably not a good idea on the radio. Excuse me. Anyway. Uh, they do have some good news coming, which is over the next quarter or so, there's going to be some new introductions, which will give them a little wind at their back. So I like the fact that there's a good long-term trend, and you're buying it cheap, but you can all, or relatively cheap on a cash flow basis. But we know that uh, Value Line says this. They recently launched a generic version of Seasonal, uh, which I think was a, a pretty big drug as a brand. Uh, and they're also going to be introducing generic equivalents of uh, Duragesic, and I don't know what that is, and Flonase, which I guess I'm a healthy guy. I don't know what any of these things are. Flonase, I've seen ads for that. That Have has something you? to do okay. with uh, illness, tricking, uh, prostate size to aid urination. Oh, really? Well, yeah, how about that? Okay, well, no, we all know a, something about Vern now. Decongestant. Anyway, uh, so. You know, they're going to have Looks some like the of the... stock's been cut in half in the last two years. Do you have any idea what happened? I absolutely do, and it's on a past show, which is that uh, uh, these generic pharma companies, they don't generally make much money longer term. In fact, this company's return on capital is 6 7%, which is like, well, too low for me generally. But I like the demographics. I think they're going to have opportunities. But why is the stock down is because a couple of things. One, they can't make any money. As soon as uh, their period of exclusivity is over, which is generally a six-month period granted by the FDA when you're the first to market with a generic, the FDA gives you this period of an effective monopoly for six months or a year. But when that's off, returns on capital, everybody jumps in and they go to zero. So you make money for about six months and then you don't make money. That's one problem. The other problem that's happened more recently is that uh, Merck and Pfizer and the patent owners figured out that if the drug's going to go generic, why not just sell the generic themselves? So when it goes generic, they just immediately drop the price of the former brand, you know, uh, patented product, but they still sell it under the same brand in the consumer channel. So what the consumer sees is a big price drop in the drug they're used to buying, and then they don't go to the so-called generic. So 
there are some things in flux, but Watson does have an R&D lab. Uh, they do manufacture product, and there has been a, some shortages of manufacturing. Certainly, as unit growth of drugs grow, manufacturing capacity is going to be important. And they uh, they have a distribution network, so they have some positives right in the face of growing demand due to the demographics. The return on capital is low, the multiples low. I think there's very little risk in this thing from here. It has turned up a little bit recently. And I would just, you know, put this thing away. It's cheap, and there's big, big trends that are in favor of this thing. Uh, I just put it away and wait. And uh, that's Watson Pharmaceutical WPI. Hey, do I see what I think I see? I don't know. Cash exceeds total outstanding debt. Yeah. Well, so. their balance sheet is, is outstanding. Fantastic. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway. The multiples are even more attractive. Than and they earn a 24% operating margin. So some of their return on capital issue here is uh, self-induced overspending on capital. And That's again, the infrastructure, that, right? it could, it could be guess, a lot of that. Uh, and it helps keep people out of the business as well. So Watson Pharmaceuticals. Time for a beverage break. Ticker WPI. Beverage break. That's all I have this week. It's been... Uh, values. Thank you. Here you go. Beverage break. Thank you. Okay. Now let me introduce noise. my partner on the value, guys. Vern Value. Vern. Yeah, yeah. Take that, it away. That's me. Vern Value. Yeah. Uh, well, I looked at this week and uh, I, you know, I'm going to go back to a, th a, a sector that we've talked about on past shows because uh, uh, I think it's, I think it's an important, um, it's an important part of the market in which a, uh, a diversified portfolio should have some exposure, and that's uh, metals and mining. Metals uh, and mining. Metals and mining, because Definitely. what's happening in Asia uh, is transformational, and after a long period of uh, living with uh, over uh, expansion in several different commodity categories, uh, particularly back in the uh, back in the 70s and the 80s, uh, uh, there's been a lot of consolidation in the industry better managed, more disciplined with capital today. And, uh, you know, I, I think our we're not commodity experts. And while there's probably downside risk from current price levels, I think the normalized price, the price at which uh, uh, sophisticated um, uh, uh, metals and miner, miners are going to make capital decisions for over the next 10 years are substantially higher than they've been historically. And it has to do with the emergence of China as a uh, with critical mass, and it's going to be followed. It looks increasingly um, like India is India, not going to be that far behind. Democracy, uh, the most populous democracy in the world, actually holding them back. In China, much easier. They just decide by fiat that you know they're doing whatever they're doing. Uh, the Indians will it'll take them fits and starts because of the democratic process. But uh, I read the paper today. China's building a two thousand mile canal to supply Beijing with water for the Olympics. That's going to use up some uh, They're probably going to need some, some shovels metal. for that. Yeah, shovels, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. So uh, this is an important space. Uh, so we'll, we'll come back to it when it comes up again in rotation, I'm sure. Um, their interesting value line on their, uh, on their cover page, you know, the table of contents, they always have two or three or four little comments about stocks that have been added this week or an interesting news event to try and entice you to read it. And uh, the one this week says the takeover battle for Inco may be over with, and then this long name of a company of Brazil, the apparent winner. Well, the, the company is what they actually go by 
uh, their initials, CVRD. They're the world's largest miner of iron ore, I think. Uh, but state-owned, and probably shouldn't be terribly surprising that a state-owned company ended up being the bidder for INCO. You may remember three months ago when this came up in rotation before, yep. we spent a lot of time talking about the battle for INCO. There were several competing bids. Right, I remember it. I think at the time our suggestion was that if you had to buy anything in the group, if you were enticed to, buy Phelps Dodge because they were trying to use their stock. <laughs> Everybody else was talking about doing a cash deal. Um, I don't think Phelps Dodge has worked out real well since then. Hmm. I, none of them really have. But uh, uh, And there's been some sideways and down movement in the entire group because mm -hmm. of somewhat weaker commodity prices recently. So yeah, <coughs> we wanted to look at it again. Fern's a little sick today. I just wanted to disclose. He's come out of uh, a sick bed to bring you the show today. So, Vern, hats off uh, to you. My well, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, you now, Value Line. And please, quit breathing on <coughs> it. Value Line likes brush engineered. Well, we've looked at that before. And, they like it best, but it's I think the I liked it, but it's now charts, it's too expensive. Yeah, I see the chart. Yeah, <coughs> they they must have a two on Allegheny Technologies. Well, Allegheny's got some niche positions and a, a big you know exposure to aerospace. And the problem, and we've talked about them before, is that they're adding a lot of capacity in a niche market. So pricing inevitably is coming down, and it's really going to only hurt them compared to everybody else. Uh, it kind of leads me to uh, uh, to look at Alcan and Alcoa. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I want to talk about BHP Billiton as well. All three stocks down over 20% from their highs. Alcan actually down 30%. Let's look at it first. Wow. Two rated by Value Line. Uh, they, they like it better than Alcoa, and they like it just as well as BHP. So let's see what we got. 15 billion market cap, 34% uh, uh, debt to total capitalization, but they cover interest more than 10 times. One of the world's leading producers of primary aluminum and products. Um, and if you look at they've got some information here about product mix. And what it basically boils down to is they're about 70% aluminum. And they're 30% kind of diversification to try to not just be you know, completely dependent on aluminum prices. Uh, the stock recently just over $40, eight and a half times earnings, less than, we'll call it 50% of a market multiple, yielding 2%. Uh, but if you look at the if you look at the valuation, cash flow per share, yeah, it's approaching uh, eight dollars with a forty dollars stock. That's terrific. But capital spending to support that over five dollars a share, uh, it basically turns what looks like a very very cheap stock into more than fifteen times free cash flow. Well, and that's with them saying they're not really adding capacity, right? Uh, as a matter of fact, the the stocks are down uh, because of uh, emergent, if you will concern about rapid capacity growth in China. Uh, maybe secondarily guys, Russia adding, a little bit. These guys aren't adding it. Are yeah, they? oh yeah, Every, they're they all are. they're oh, all okay. adding capacity, but uh, there's a lot of capacity coming from China and if uh, if that really is a threat in a big way, I mean this stock right now even at $40 is as you can see uh, Val, kind of uh, kind of cuts off highs over the last several years. It's not exactly cheap compared to history for the last 10 years. Well, sales per share are, you know, well, double aluminum prices, remember. So 2003, as recently as 2003, sales per share were sort of the same they'd been for, you know, on average for 10 years. Does Value Line put a tons metric on here? Uh, like yeah, there's not. No, they don't have mm. a good... Uh, because uh, that's what you really need to look at. Right. But anyway, the point I was going to make is that if uh, if the market's right and about it being down because of this significant uh, threat to capacity and ultimately prices, 
then it's going to it's going to go down a lot more. I think. If well, it turns capacity out to be right. just get used up by what's going on in the world. Now the thing I you know, of, they uh, like Alcan. It's rated two. Alcoa rated three. Twenty four billion. Larger market cap. Uh, uh, ten times earnings instead of eight and a half. Uh, closer to sixty percent of a market multiple. Also yields about two percent. Uh, both those stocks look like. Uh, well, they're kind of back to where they were on a relative basis about a year ago. Uh, this one also 23% debt to cap, big growth forecast. Also about the same 30% diversification. Um, similar return on capital, but Alcoa's got a better long-term history of being able to sustain something with double digits. For Alcan, it looks like more of the exception rather than the rule. And the valuation on a free cash flow basis is about the same. So. A little puzzled by that, but they like Alcan better than Alcoa. To me, they're almost indistinguishable. Uh, let me look at BHP in comparison. Now, BHP, $115 billion. Okay, a little bigger company. Uh, this one's about 14 times free cash flow. The stock's also down over 20% recently. Uh, but we think this is, and we've talked about BHP before, we think this is the stock to own in the group. As a matter of fact, I would like to point out that I believe the last time we talked about it, it was had also come down significantly. Mm. So I think we're sort of about where we were. Mm. Uh, what do we like here? Well, we like Chip Goodyear a lot, the CEO. This is a guy who run, actually runs the business. Uh, and they what we like about him and what uh, he and uh, Don Argus are doing there is that they are being very, very disciplined with capacity. Uh, this is a great play on the China, emergent China-India story. Because the third thing that we like about it a lot, it, it goes with the China India, is the diversification. Crude oil, natural gas, iron ore, nickel, copper, diamonds, coal, and steel. I, you know, that's a minor part of the business. Big operations in Australia, Chile, South Africa. Gee, those would be those would be the geographic, the mining, geographic mining markets that are best located to serve emerging Asian. You know, India and uh, and China. Uh, pricing, of course, has been helpful for commodities here, uh, but with a diversified exposure, uh, I have less sensitivity to a significant change in in the economics of any one market. I've got better uh, I've got a better play on the more uh, strategic conceptual uh, story. The other thing that I like about these guys this is a very well run company. Um, Working capital is negligible within this business. A very important indicator for a mining company because you know, there's not a lot you can do about the assets. I got to own the reserves and I've got to develop them, and I have to I have to you know spend a lot of money on equipment and uh, I mean just lots of big you know metal things to sitting around ready to ride, go at any yeah. moment. To but I can't. To a you know, and so if prices go up and down, I can't do anything about that stuff. But what I can do something about is I can manage working capital. And it, you know, a eighty-five million deficit in two thousand six. It says here. I mean, this is a company with thirty-five billion in revenue. That's pretty um, good. <laughs> significant project flow coming on. It says total pipeline twenty-three projects. Folks in this business, that's growth. So, with a more reasonable valuation, <coughs> excuse me, and having sold off recently, uh, I just come back to again. This is. In this group, this is the stock you want to own, and I think you got to own a piece of it. Maybe you try to buy it, um, you know, when it, it trades back a little bit. Uh, but 
you know, I think you could buy it here, start nibbling on it, you know, hope that something goes wrong in the short term with pricing in some market that takes 5% out of it or something, so you can buy some more. Well, I've uh, spent a bunch of time recently. You know, I talked about Florida Rock a few weeks ago. And, yeah. uh, you know, this is obviously more diversified and more global, but we were trying to figure out, just looking at past cycles, looking at prices of commodities across a whole host of things. Uh, you know, copper, lumber, uh, home prices, just looking at some different, uh, you know, stock groups and how they react compared to the underlying commodity. And uh, I don't know what your thought is, but it looks to me like a whole bunch of these things, um, if you're the, the seller of the commodity, you're probably several quarters away from really being able to turn the corner. If you're a buyer of this stuff, you're going to have two or three really nice quarters ahead of you because of the reduced cost of raw materials. I mean, do you think this is a, something to buy now or wait till a couple of, how do the quarterly uh, numbers look now? Uh, well, it, it's actually an Australian company. The uh, it trades on the New York ADRs trade as BHP. Yeah. So they only report numbers every uh, every six every months. Every few years. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, so <laughs> I, you know, you know, most recent most recent quarter uh, revenue looks like it was up uh, some kind of uh, mid to high single digit kind of a number, and earnings were nearly double a year earlier. Now, value line says next quarter you're going to see uh, that's actually better than 10% growth. Next quarter, next six months, so December 31, and about 30 some percent earnings growth. But then they have it sort of flattening there in a negative comparison for next June's quarter. Yeah. But I'd argue that I'd that's be, just uh, kind of out there. And I'd be patient personally. This is Val. What I'm seeing in commodity prices, and I'm no expert, I think you have a little bit. Well, of I'm time no expert on. either. Well, neither That's one of us are. So turn the channel. You guys okay. could all find someone no, more I... expert to listen to, I'm sure. <laughs> but in any case, I think you have a couple quarters here before the news starts to have a hope to be positive. That same institutional sales force we were just talking about. Not a single one of them is going to be making a call on this one. Right? No, no, that's probably right. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah no. You're... So you got some time. Like I said, you know, it'd be, you know, I suggest we be a little selective about selective, where we're yeah. buying it. Yeah. Yeah. So is that the show this week? For I, I think that's the show. Do you have anything else this week? No, I'm gonna I'm gonna go. I back don't to have anything else. Okay with you? I think that's fine. My uh, best idea this week, I'm just gonna say, is one I don't know anything about. Agrium. Yeah, I don't know. It looks an awful lot to me like an ethanol play. It does. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Well, it's fertilizer, but then uh, those stocks have been up big over the last year, and I'm afraid there's a little too much priced into them, but. Well, that could be. I like it. I like the multiple. But you and know, then I, uh, I have a caramel in my mouth. As well, and then so Pfizer. Can't rely on me. Okay. So and BioVail. No, not Pfizer. BioVail. That was a very That's very best cheap idea. Stuff. That's yeah. what I'm buying myself. Okay. So this has been the value, guys. Um, I'm Val Hughes, and uh, I'll speak for him since no, he has no, a caramel. No, I'll go value. ahead. I can talk through a caramel. And we're the value guys. Check us out uh, with disclosures, etc. Clues to our secret identities at www.thevalueguys.com. Our, our, our very cool outfits. That's true. Have okay. a good week. You too, everybody.